Money FM 89.3. Best of the evening runway. Market View on Money FM 89.3. That's right, you're listening to Money FM 89.3 and it's now time for Market View where we take a look at how the Singapore stock market is likely to close for the day, the biggest movers, sectors and companies to watch. But as always, a quick recap of how we started. Well, Singapore shares opened softer today following overnight losses on Wall Street as traders reacted to mixed earnings out of the US. Now, in early trade, the Straits Times Index was down 0.3% to 3,070 points after some 55 million securities changed hands in the broader market. Now let's take you through the numbers that we are looking at for now as they are firming up. The Straits Times Index currently down 0.29%, looking at 3,069 points. In terms of value turnover, that's 1.03 billion Sing dollars. The gainers outnumbered losers 294 versus 285. Top 5 movers by value we have here UOB, DBS, OCBC, C-Trim and Singtel. Heavily traded securities included C-Trim, Gunting Singapore and Thai Beverage. Now, in terms of companies to watch, we do have UOB reporting a net profit there of $1.38 billion for the third quarter ended September. Now, elsewhere from quarterly Singapore retrenchments at its highest since uh, Q4 2020, China's uh, new bonds to help economic recovery and Meta warning about the outlook for next year. We've got more macroeconomic and corporate headlines in focus today. Enjoy. Joining us on the line is Terence Wong, CEO of Azure Capital. Terence, welcome. Hello, Tian Hello, and let's start with the Singapore stock market as usual. Seems rather muted, but uh, how did it fare so far? And if I may sidetrack, to what extent are the latest retrenchment numbers out of Singapore a cause for concern? Okay, uh, hogging the, I'm looking at the numbers right now, hogging mm. the top movers, actually not top movers, but the top actors will be the banks, uh, UOB, DBS, OCBC. Uh, top three, and then uh, and and I think the index actually like fell also largely because uh, of UOB's uh, disappointing numbers. Yeah, uh, it was down one point six percent. And then looking down the list, uh, I don't think anything really okay. Capital invest uh, that fell two point seven percent, but uh, IFAS actually like popped up eleven uh, percent, mm. which is quite impressive. Uh, and I believe that's on the back of uh, good results and the promise that there will be dividends uh, look, uh, or good dividends going ahead. Looking at the retrenchment numbers, uh, it has been slowly rising. So there's a slow rising trend down there. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I don't think it's anything to be super concerned about at this point in time. If you look at the higher rings uh, during this period, it's also risen for eight straight quarters, right? So, uh, but, but mm. if a recession were to hit, I think that the the numbers can uh, rise very, very quickly um, mm. and as companies uh, start to retrench their workers. So that's something that we do look out for, uh, the economy in general, and uh, there are signs of weakening. Right. And talk about weakening and results. I do want to focus on UOB for today, uh, Terence. The bank reported net profit of $1.38 billion for Q3, down about 1% from what we saw a year ago. How would you read into the latest numbers? Any broader clues we can draw on the health of the trio of local banks here? Well, broad clues, perhaps not this time round. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the read-through from 
UOB's numbers, the results may not necessarily be the case for other Singapore banks. A uh, uh, case, in, I mean, a uh, couple of reasons why. Uh, anyway, it took steps to strengthen the balance sheet. It's traditionally been very, very conservative, the most conservative among the three banks. Um, and they've done so by strengthening their balance sheet uh, with the uncertain outlook, uh, which led to some uh, NIM pressure. And for the other banks, the coverage is actually generally higher. Also, I believe one of its peers had already taken taken, uh, preemptive provisions for non-impact assets in earlier quarters. So the the numbers are not exactly going to be apples for apples kind of comparison. And on the flip side, uh, UOB's fee income had a decent quarter on, uh, say, the the strong credit card fees uh, as consumer spending and confidence uh, remain to be fairly high. Uh, we all, that we can see uh, similar trends uh, uh, with other the other two banks. Right, and aside from uh, the trail of local banks, we do have another set of REITs making the news today. Uh, Terence, uh, just to bring some names, we've got Capital Land Integrated Commercial Trust reporting 0.6% growth and Q3 net property income. A Maple Tree Logistics Trust, meanwhile, uh, expects to make Acquisitions between 200 and 300 million Sing dollars in the current financial year. Uh, quite a number of things going on here, but which of these REITs should uh, investors keep their eyes on? Okay, we are talking about these three REITs, right? Uh, it seems that Capital Land Integrated Commercial Trust uh, looks the most attractive, uh, mm. and that's from a valuation as well as a recovery angle. Uh, for valuation, if you uh, from the valuation perspective, it is trading at 15% discount, whereas the other two are trading at a premium, and its its yield is close to 6%, which I think is attractive compared to uh, the other two. And uh, uh, the two, like me, the two maple trees uh, have seen stable performances uh, compared to CICT, which is down close to 20%. So from these two angles, I, I think uh, CITCT, the Capital Land Integrated Commercial Trust, is the most attractive amongst the three. Mm, uh, Terence, I believe I missed out the name of the third REIT. Uh, it is Maple Tree Industrial Trust. So, yeah, just in case you're wondering. And uh, if you're just tuning in, we're now speaking to Terence Wong, CEO of Azure Capital. And Terence, let's take a look at what's happening in the region, particularly a number of developments out of China. We do have uh, Chinese authorities approving this one trillion yuan in sovereign bond issuance to sort of help rebuild areas hit by last year's flood and improve urban infrastructure. We also saw its sovereign fund expanding beyond buying bank shares to buy ETFs. Now, again, the question is, how much of a stimulus do we need to see from Chinese authorities in order to boost stock markets, though? Well, the pump priming is good. Uh, the Chinese government deploying funds is also positive, uh, but those are only part of the equation. Uh, we have spoken extensively on this, right? Uh, yeah. yeah. And I think over the past year, we have mentioned China many, many times. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't sound like a broken record, but, you know, I've always said, you know, we need confidence to return yeah. to the economy, confidence to return to the government. Uh, whatever that has had transpired over the past one and a half to two years uh, with the Chinese government, that hasn't really tra- uh, that hasn't really inspired a lot of confidence. So, uh in order for there to be uh, for a reversal, we really need to have um, confidence retain, uh, return and a sustained recovery in the, the markets. Uh, there were a lot of hits and misses uh, when the, the Chinese economy, there, there was reopening of the economy, uh, reopening of the borders, and there, were, there was like a lot of confidence. There was a lot of like hope, uh, and that 
really fizzled out uh, in in very short period of time. So we we need people to come back, spend big, and uh, and start to have confidence in the government and the government policies again. Mm, and talk about that. Uh, looking at the property market, Country Garden just default on dollar bonds uh, yesterday. So quite a number of things going on. But then again, uh, the second part to this question, Terence, we talked about bringing confidence, right? And we've seen actions from the Chinese authorities um, not quite enough to spur confidence. So the question is, to what extent are the hands tied? Can authorities deliver what markets need at this point? Well, uh, I, I need and whether they want to. Um, mm-hmm. They definitely would want it. But then uh, there are many, many considerations right now. Yeah. I believe that they have that the hole is significantly bigger. Mm-hmm. That the hole that uh, was dug is significantly bigger. Uh, property, uh, definitely one of the catalysts for it, but it's not only the, the only area. So, uh, you know, in the past, a couple of years, the investors like putting money into China have to contend with their rivalry with the U.S., the bickerings with, you know, just geopolitics in general. And and then the government comes in with measures uh, that hit uh, the education industry, the tech sector, which is big, and the property uh, sector. So all these implosions, we we need to handle, uh, I believe we need to handle one at a time. Mm. Um, And it's I, I think that the recovery seems to be extended uh, a lot longer than what uh, people have initially suggested. Mm, seems like a bumpy road ahead. And before we let you go, Terence, uh, let's set our sights further to look at what's happening in the US. Meta warned about the outlook next year. We saw disappointing clock figures from Alphabet, even though you know other sides of the business seem to be quite okay. Bearish forecasts from Texas Instruments as well. How far have developments um, over the previous 24 hours reversed that optimism we saw in the earlier part of the U.S. earnings season? Well, I, I think there are some hits and misses. I mean, as you pointed out, Alphabet in general, uh, I think, came in above expectations. But yeah. Cloud uh, was a bummer. Uh, and then Microsoft, I think, came out like the day before or the same day. Uh, mm-hmm. That also came above expectations. Yeah. Uh, TI was down. Um, and Meta, of course, it was... I, I believe it's above expectations, but the, mm. the forecast or the the prognosis, the, the expectations was downbeat. So um, it's really a mixed bag right now. And I believe that given uh, the current market conditions, uh, they would rather err on the side of caution. Uh, they they end up, you know, like focusing on the, the bad things or, or at mm. least the negative aspects. So, uh, and that is why I believe... Uh, there will be, it won't be a tech winter, so to speak. Mm-hmm. But then uh, there will be, it will be a period where there will be a lot of volatility, um, and I think that uh, the focus is uh, again more on what's going to happen uh, next year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and with the rates being higher for longer and the likelihood of recession actually rising, uh, this may have an impact on some of the tech companies particularly those that have really, really bloated valuations. You know, those AI plays uh, that, again, we have spoken about, uh, mm-hmm. I think, a month or two ago, uh, these AI plays that, you know, are that, uh, that 50, 
300 times earnings, uh, those I'll be a little bit more uh, that uh, I'll be more cautious about. All right, thanks a lot, Terence. That was Terence Wong, CEO of Azure Capital. Thank you very much for joining us on Money FM 89.3. Thanks, Tian Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance.